cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ Weinzettel, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from terroir, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers, and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. Dave, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time today uh, to join me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, we're really happy to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, well, thanks for this amazing sun. I mean, we were about to... <laughs> Ordered it up just for you, man. I you mean, did? Of course. You brought it. Of course. <laughs> I brought it? You brought it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we should have done You're not allowed to leave. Ago. God knows. Yeah, we need stay. more of this. All right. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> uh, before we begin, shall I pour us a little bit of wine? Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, as always, there is zero, um, zero pressure. (laughs) You can talk about it as much as you want. Okay. You can talk about it as little as you want. Okay. Uh, if you just want to say it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, or it's yucky and nasty, it's, that is (laughs) totally. You wouldn't do that to us, would you? He might. I wouldn't. No, 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 no. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. All right. Oh. Yeah, it's been, I think the last time I was out here. It was the beginning of last year, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's been it's been a little bit of time. So thank you so much for taking the time today. It's, oh, absolutely. Nice. Lots lots different this year than last year. That's for sure. Well, yeah, and I noticed like you got some new vines down there, and like I can't wait to hear kind of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm not I am not good at identifying wine, so I'm gonna go with it's red wine. It is. Um, it is red. <laughs> now, this doesn't smell like one of ours, so it doesn't no, smell like you pulled a fast one on us. <laughs> right. I, I, that, that, that is the last thing that I will ever do. I will never, that ever, be, ever do that. That would be really embarrassing. <laughs> no, because it's and it's a whole embarrassing thing, right? I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Right. I'd be mm. like, wow, this is the worst wine ever. Oh. It's got. It's it's, it's now. Both of us are having allergies, allergy issues, so we're not going to be at 100% certainly on the aromas, but... So why not do this outside? (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I do like, there's a, there's a toastiness to this, which is nice. Right. Um, mm. Definitely doesn't, definitely, it gives me the impression this is not going to be a heavy wine, which is exactly what we want to be. We don't want, we don't want heavy. Right. So, I mean, looking at the color, I think I initially thought, well, that, that can't be a Pinot. It's awfully dark. Mm. But, I, think, I mean, I, I think it is now that I've sipped it. Yeah, this is a nice... And smelled it. Trying, I'm trying to think through vintage here. This, is, this feels like it has some age to it, yeah. but not ludicrous age. I could see this... See this like being a 15 or a 17 kind of has that feel to it i really like the shape of this um it kind of reminds it does kind of remind me of, of one particular wine that i do it kind of has a nice roundness to it right. um i i tend to describe my wines a lot of term of a lot of in terms of mouthfeel um because i i kind of find that that is more universal for people to kind of identify with right um all of our palates obviously very very different and you know whatever i may smell whatever i may taste is going to be totally unique to me and for each individual person so i always think that you know if we can think about kind of how is it the path the wine takes as it passes across our palate i think are things that people can grab onto a little better yeah no i I do the same thing and Mm -hmm. 
you know, for me, this, there's there's an elegance behind this wine. Mm-hmm. Tell you this, it's it's a wine I would enjoy drinking very much. Very gentle, and it kind of reminds me. It kind of has this flow to it of of rising kind of in the center. And our Titan Pinot Noir is very kind of has that same sort of shape. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm guessing there is some age on it. Dusty. I think there is too, but it's. I don't think it's. Not a lot. It's not 13, 14, no. anything like that. And I don't think it could be a 12 based on what I'm tasting. But I yeah. would say 15 or 17 wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I might have said a 14. I mean, it's possible. Meanwhile, it AJ's be. over there laughing at us going, <laughs> no. yeah, this is this is a California Pinot from 2020. Well, if it was, if it was, if it was, <laughs> it could be. Oh, I like it, though. But it definitely... Yeah. Not not gamay. I mean, to me, this this definitely feels Pinot-ish, and I right. wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I think that you wanted to try to like stump me oh, and like yeah. turn the tables a little bit. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh yes. We yeah. Do. Oh yeah. So we we've, we've got one for you. Since okay. you asked about plantings. Mm-hmm. So okay. So tie nicely this into that tie conversation. Nicely, so okay. yes. All right. You know, nobody has done this yet. I know. Well, we are we are trailblazers. <laughs> yes, you are very much so. Now, now you watch. This will turn out to be the same thing, right? That'd be that would be, be really absolutely funny. hilarious. A, a double crazy. back on it. Right? Oh my gosh! That would be really funny. But no, they are clearly different wines. Yes. Well, certainly, they're the source is definitely different. Yeah. Mm. Um, so in looking at the color it does look a little bit you know it definitely looks like it has some age on it mm-hmm. you can uh you know taste those uh tertiary flavors kind of coming through mm-hmm. you know so you know i am guessing it's going to be older than this one i would agree um how old boy I'm gonna I'm gonna go like it with an 08. Um, Fair guess, not that far. Not that far. Not okay. That far. All right. Um, definitely a Pinot. Uh, now watch me eat my words. <laughs> um, but the structure, there's still some great structure into that one. You know, there's still some great great tannins that are there. Um, you know, now, out of curiosity, do those tannins maybe make you think that maybe it might not be a peanut? Oh, now you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see the shape of the bottle in the in yeah. the bag, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, that's not a penal bottle either. But you're right. <laughs> Would we do that to you? Well, you know, bottles. Oh, of course, totally. Getting you're bottles just... was really hard. You know? You're, you're, you're trailblazers. Be... Exactly. Or you yes. something. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, we promise we will not keep you in suspense the whole time that we're doing this. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll reveal fairly quickly because, mm-hmm. there, you know, it, it does have... It, it, I would it's love involved to talk in about story. this yeah. for like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's and fabulous. We can. <laughs> well, it, it, this okay. So I will say that it's definitely not a Pinot. It's you're right. Yeah. Uh, there's a like a smoky oakiness to this. Mm-hmm. There's um, 
the tannins aren't overpowering, but there's mm-hmm. nice, a nice tannin structure that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to pay attention to the acidity structure, and I got all... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, like, there was a squirrel. Oh, wow. Discombobulated. Discombobulated, <laughs> yes. Distracted, yes. Yeah, I got distracted. Um, Ping pong effect, right? You know, if, if I had to take another guess, I would say this might be, be the, the cab that you did. Also, great guess, but no, because we okay. have not been doing a cab for that long. No. Okay. No. All right. Yeah. So, so then, but you are on the right track that we would not pour this for you unless it was somehow relevant to our story. Right. Right. So, so we'll go ahead. What we have poured for you, and I'm glad that you initially thought that this was a Pinot. This is an Italian grape called oh. Schiopatino. I would have never guessed this. <laughs> never guessed. Oh, come right. on. Now, Does the it roll reason, off the now, tongue? <laughs> now I know. Now, now this is a wine that a grape that is every bit as hard to spell as it is to right. say. But the reason that we have this is because this is one of our two new plantings from 2020. Now, this is a grape grown in the Friuli region of Italy, in the far northeastern part of the country. Right. And I'm so glad that you thought this was a Pinot because one of the reasons that we really wanted to plant this here in the valley is because it reminds us so much of a Pinot structure, Pinot style. Right. We absolutely fell in love with it. Not to mention that Friuli, from a uh, climatic standpoint, is by far the closest thing that we have here in the valley. Cooler, wetter, you're at the foothills of the Alps, you've got the cool breezes coming off of the Adriatic to kind of give you a shorter growing season. Right. I just personally happen to be such a fan of Italian red wines. I really wanted to do an Italian red here. And, right. you know, but you had to kind of start from saying, what can we actually consistently ripen? Um, and then what can we consistently ripen that we can get cuttings of? Because Italy is full <laughs> of amazing, tiny little obscure varietals that kind of exist in these little corner pockets of the country. Right. And you can find them if you go there, but you can't actually get cuttings of them to plant your own vineyard. But this is one there are, I think, six or so other plantings across the country in the U.S. Right. Most in California, one or two here in, in Oregon. Um, but we seem to have the biggest new planting in Oregon from what I can see planted in the fall of 2020 here nice a whopping seven rows so yeah so about 400 <laughs> and some odd plants yeah. right so yeah but still that's fun that's exciting yeah, it is. totally and this is kind of where our mission we feel is you know when when we came into the valley um we obviously we came here because we love the wines here we love the industry here you know if we didn't want to do pinot noir we wouldn't be here but with the numbers of wineries that exist here now you know we're up over 700 just in the valley when so many people are making the same things, you know, we think this really gives us an opportunity to say, we're going to do Pinot. We're going to do things that are in the heart of the valley. But at the same time, we can diversify. We can bring more variety. And we can really show our customers that this area is capable of growing other grapes. Right. They may be things like Schiopatino that are not kind of on people's radars. They're not going to be things a lot of people are familiar with. Right. But because we're such a small place, we have the ability to kind of educate and kind of show folks to be able to say, we're going to introduce some things and show you. You're going to get to taste them and kind of be able to make your own decisions. Right. Um, and it's so much more fun, obviously for us, but then also for our customers, you know, to kind of get some experiences here that you just won't find in other places. Yeah, no. And that that is um, – so I'm curious, at what point did you decide to be like, I, I want to plant this here? and 
that was actually a couple, three or four years ago. We, um, we, so we have several industry friends that we've, we've become really close to that we jokingly call our, our board of directors, right? And right. Um, we had a couple over um, who were super tight with, and um, we were explaining, you know, we really, we, at the time, we weren't making the cab yet. Um, we were making Syrah, and it was selling out a lot faster than we could make it. We, you know, we kept increasing the volume every year, and it would sell even faster. Um, we'd raise the price. It would sell even faster. So um, so we, we were like, we need something else for when we run out of Syrah <laughs> to pull out. Like, wow, what else and, do we and, have? And just as, just as important, something we could grow here. The right. Syrah and, yeah. and the cab as well, we get from Milton Free Water yeah. in northeastern Oregon, but we really right. wanted, we something wanted something that was, that was a state. Because right. at the time, right. we still had about three or four three-ish acres left unplanted. And so we were trying to think, okay, what's the next step? And they had been to um, Mathiasen Winery in California and they came back and they were like, we've got, we've got your answer. It's Skiopatino. And we were like, Skiopawawa? Exactly. Um, And, but we started researching it. um, And yeah. And then um, she's in the industry and was able to get us some, some Italian samples. Um, And so we actually sat down um, and did a tasting with them and um, my parents and um, to decide, you know, are we going to go for this or not? And we decided, yeah, let's give it a shot. Wow. Let's just go ahead and plant seven rows. What, what, yeah. what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Nothing absolutely. Wrong. No, no, it'll be fine. No, it'll be fine. You don't um, know if you don't try. You don't know if you don't try. Right. Um, and then in the middle of it, we discovered that, um, that Illihi, um has a couple of rows of it. Um, and Brad was gracious enough to let us come down and sample his half barrel, um, <laughs> which was all he had. And he's been a wonderful resource for us as well um and they finally had their first bottling i believe was it last 19 19 it was 19 19 and then then they sold it to club and so they were very kind and and like it was so limited um they they let me have two bottles (laughs) and then they (laughs) and um, they'll they'll get our two bottles oh yeah they'll be getting plenty but we were just like oh yay so so yeah so we've tried a little lamet valley but not i mean there's just not a lot right so um so yeah so and we've tried californias we have a few californias um as well but um we felt like this one was probably the closest to what we're going to get on our site um it's actually a 13 as you can see right um but but yeah we we felt like this would be the one that is going to be the most representative of where we're at and what our soil type is and and the like um so yeah, so and, and Dario at, at Rosemarino is super excited about I it. I can so, imagine. Yeah. He's like, yes, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> oh, and, and the thing about Dario, you know, he's this is not far from where he grew up. I mean, he he grew up in Piedmont. This isn't that terribly far from Piedmont. And right. when we told him, uh, you know, and this is a grape that even in Italy is, is fairly obscure. Um, so he kind of smiled. He went to his, he, he went over to his bar and he grabbed three, three. Schiopatino. <laughs> now, I couldn't have told you there were three people in Italy doing Schiopatino. I think he had all of them. Oh, and, my goodness. And so yeah. he just, he's just so excited. He's so excited. years from now, when we're doing a winemaker dinner with him and we pull this out, I can't wait to yeah, see it. Yeah, we're really oh, excited. Man. He's just going to light up. Oh, yeah. 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 oh yeah. yeah. Even more than he normally does. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it was, it was fun. So, but we, yeah, that's what, you know, we, that like Dave was saying, this is part of our you know we we do have Pinot planted quite a bit, but we right. wanted to plant some other things to stand out um, because there are so many Pinot plantings in the valley. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue into I. Uh, my apologies if I mispronounce, but mm-hmm. that you're Saval. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so now we know the in- origin story behind this, but like, where did you get the idea behind planting uh, Saval and like? Yeah. 
What, what, what was that like? Yeah. So we, we moved here uh, back in 2012 from Ohio. Ten and years I, ago. Like yeah, literally like 10, ten years, years ago. Yeah. But you know, I don't want to take that because yeah. it, it dates. You know, it does you know, date. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, so um, <laughs> when this we moved from Ohio. And in Ohio, you know, not exactly known as a magnificent grape growing area. Having said that, there's a lot of history of growing grapes in Ohio. And if you go back to pre-prohibition, Ohio was actually the number one wine grape producing state in the U.S., Obviously, it hasn't recovered from that, right. but, you know, especially <laughs> down around the Ohio River Valley and where, where we came from in Cincinnati, used to be called the Little Rhine because, you A, you had a lot of German settlers in, and then, B, the Ohio River Valley just kind of felt like the Rhine River Valley in a lot of ways. Right. So you did have a lot of grapes uh, that were grown, and one of them is this Saval Blanc, which is a French hybrid, um, hybridized in France from two different varieties of, uh, of Siebel, uh, S-E-B-E-L. Um, I don't know if any of it is actually grown in France today. I'd be surprised if any of it was. Quite a bit in England. Quite a bit in southern England, uh, right. where it turns out they use it, I guess, primarily in sparkling yeah, wines that's there. that's my understanding. But where you normally find it in this country is Midwest, Mid-Atlantic, and particularly Finger Lakes in western New York. So it okay. does very well in cooler weather climates. And, you know, based on just our view of where we wanted to take the winery, you know, we, we as I said, you know, people growing and producing mainly the same things. Well, Pinot is one on the red side and then Chardonnay is on the other side. We love Oregon Chardonnay, but if 500, 700 people are making it, I don't need to be another one. You know, we wanted to say, let, let's produce some things that are, give us a complexity that right. Chardonnay does, but that will just give people a very different look. And so Save All is something that back when I lived in Ohio and was making wine as a uh, kind of a pre-professional, first as a hobbyist <laughs> and then as a cellar worker, I have a lot of experience with this grape. I mean, I know how versatile it is and what it can do. And so I kind of felt that, you know, this was something that other people were not going to be terribly interested in growing because they really didn't know a lot of the story behind it and they really kind of couldn't have a sense of where it fit maybe within their own product portfolios. But for us, it just really fits that style that we wanted to do. It's got a very earthy kind of petroly nose to it. So now I, I tell people, I say, it's not for everybody. I mean, if you're not into a, a very powerful white, you know, we, we totally understand. Right. But it is such a fun wine for the folks that love it because it's got a very pineapple, tropical fruit palette, very different nose versus palate thing. Um, and so it's really important when I present it here that we really walk through and describe what it is because for a lot of people that are kind of have West Coast palates that aren't right. familiar with it, it's a different animal. So oh, yeah. just taking that time to kind of say, you know, this is expect this and then kind of step away and see what happens. Right. Well, I mean, I think you have to give a little bit of like, hey, this is something different mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because otherwise it would be like, what in the world is <laughs> right. this? This is nasty. <laughs> right, yep. Right, right. Yep. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a wind up. <laughs> yeah, no, you, yeah, you have We to. actually jokingly say Dave kind of pre-screens people before before he'll pour it for them because you have to be somewhat adventurous, I mean, even just to try a hybrid. Right, you um, do. And so, yeah, so a lot for a lot of people it's, you know, <laughs> oh, we're adventurous and so then that's when people discover maybe they're not so adventurous yeah but, yeah. Yeah. but it yeah. works the other way it's too fine. i mean yeah. you know we we kind of see but at the very least what we see is that folks really really appreciate that you're trying to do some variety and diversity um and, and just kind of put some new put some new looks out there for folks so that they're not always in the same situation all the time right no that, that makes complete sense oh and then going back in your story like you know, 2006-ish, yeah. you know, you're an attorney, mm -hmm. yep. uh, a little bit of a side tangent, right? Being an attorney, 
Have you watched Better Call Saul? I, no, I'm worried okay. about flashbacks. Okay, you know, that's fair. That's so, fair. so wait, funny, funny tangent to the tangent. So when I was in law school in the late later part of the 90s, this right. is when that TV show Law and Order was really starting to pick up steam and get really popular. Right. And people in my law school classes would have these watch parties on, I don't remember which night it was that Law and Order was taped on. Uh, and I couldn't go. I just couldn't do it because I was, I mean, this is what I did studying for 12 hours a day. Right. And the last thing that I wanted to do was watch TV about lawyers, you know, and I know Better Call Saul is a, is, a, is not that sort right, of thing, right, right, right. but you know, you yeah. do kind of get into that, that part of the life where you say, oh my God, I'm so happy I don't do that anymore. Right. No. And, I, <laughs> and you know, and I don't, I don't, uh, I can totally understand and agree with that. <laughs> But here you are, you know, in 2006, you're an attorney. You put a lot of time into your studies, into your education. What was it about wine that, like, made you want to, like, first start off as a hobby yeah. and then ultimately ultimately be like, I want to put this into a competition and, like, like really – Say bye-bye to the law. <laughs> well, do you want to start how, that one? How honest do you want to start? Yeah. That? <laughs> that, that's totally up to you. <laughs> um, so actually, um, so prior to making wine, Dave and I, um, we were trying to become parents, and we had three miscarriages, and two were mm. late term, and this all happened in 13 months. Um, and so our marriage was in a really bad place, and we had um, a marital counselor right. who said, you guys need to find something to do together to reconnect. Um and we liked to drink wine. Um, you know, Dave did study for the bar exam. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it wasn't – and we kicked around the idea. Oh, yeah, wouldn't it be fun, you know, maybe someday to make wine. And so I had signed us up for a course. You know, there was a class taught right. by a local home winemaker. Um, super great guy. Really knew – very knowledgeable. Um, and bought a kit. Right. And so we started making wine on our five-year wedding anniversary, literally as a reason to – reconnect um that's awesome and jokingly our label was therapy um <laughs> and that's what we called it our our, our right. marital counselor loved it um and so and that's what we did and that's how we got started um it was really um you know supposed to be something that would um help us bond and, and give us a shared right. project you know that had some assurance of success when you know pregnancy was not um well and the and thing so about wine just in general is you know what we've always loved about that specifically is that the best wines are the ones that you don't have to psychoanalyze you know they they just they get put on the table they get shared with friends and family and they just bring people together and you know right. given what sarah was saying about you know where we were in our yeah. lives god knows you know this just kind of felt like another way to kind of accomplish that yeah. right and to have Right. And so, yeah, so that's how it started. And then it just kind of it sort of spiraled out of control. Um, you know, we started making six gallons of, of um, drinkable Rioja uh, from a kid. And I've had worse commercials. It was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing, but it was all right. And then we kind of discovered, oh, the white wines are better in the kits than the than the reds um, right. because they're not on the skins, right? You just get, they literally give you a bag of um, grape juice that's, you know, so it's like a bag of Welch's, right? But right. it's whatever the grape is and then you ferment it. It's not on the skins, it's, you know. So it's okay, but it's not amazing. But we, okay, we, we made it through that. We didn't kill anybody and okay. Mm -hmm. So so Dave started to get really interested and, and very quickly um, hooked up with a local vintners club um, and um, was able to get real grapes, right? From um, and that group was he was the youngest member by at least thirty to forty years, um, but they would bring in fruit actually from California. They would truck it in. Oh wow! Um, it was 
not the premium stuff, right? So this was like seconds, maybe. Right, yeah, but still. Um, you know, but as an amateur, you know, they would all get together on a weekend. They would get this huge truck of refrigerated fruit, come in. They would all get together. They would process it out at somebody's house. Everybody would bring their six-gallon buckets um, and fill them up with, right. with whatever and take it back home um, and, and make their wine. And um, it was really one of those things where if you're not getting the best fruit, you really learn how to make the best wine you can. Um, and so for Dave, I think that was probably the most, one of the most valuable experiences as an amateur was knowing that this is not the greatest fruit in the world. How can I get coax the best wine out of it? Um, and so that went on for, for quite some time. Um, and then we started taking wine vacations, um, and we're not really Napa Sonoma people. Um, obviously he probably figured out by now we're kind of little weird um and so we did the offbeat regions right so we did finger lakes and we did texas hill country back when before it was even a thing um right, like in, right. in yeah and then we came here in la um and just absolutely fell in love with it it was part of a two-week oregon vacation we spent four days here at the end of it and we were like oh this is it Right. Um, and this is what we want to do. Um, even then we said, you know, in 20 years, but, you know, I remember we stayed at Shehalem Ridge bed and breakfast. It's 400 feet up the hill from us. Um, and I remember looking down at the view and saying, this is it. We're going to move here. We're going to get property on Bell Road. You're going to be a winemaker. We're going to have a vineyard and we're going to do it in 20 years. And Dave was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then coming home from that, um, and my, my mentor called me a month later and said she was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, and she had three small children and she died 10 months later. Um, we ultimately um, formed our family through adoption. Um, so our daughter was adopted um, at birth. Um, and so she was born right before Christmas that year. Right. Um, and then Dave um, was uh, doing corporate tax work. He was doing mergers and acquisitions. Um, and was really good at what he did and hated every living minute of it and, and had become um, kind of a miserable person and was really just really unhappy, deeply depressed, um, incredibly stressed and, and just in and kind of a puddle. They were pushing him to make partner and he sort of snapped and, and I said, and then I snapped and I said, that's it. We're not doing this anymore. Right. <laughs> right. Life, is, life is too short. Life is too short and you're really successful at something that you absolutely hate. Um, so how much more successful would you be doing something you love? And you really love making wine. I mean, right. by then it was everywhere in the house. I mean, it had <laughs> everywhere. It had started in one room in the basement. It took over the basement. It took over the garage. It took over the dining room. I mean, literally, uh, you, you would go to the to the bathroom and you pull the shower curtain aside and there would be a ferment going in the bottom of the tub. I mean, it just never ended. And so, right. so yeah, so we... Um, they, the company he was with was amazing. They gave him a year leave of absence, and we went to all um, six wineries in Cincinnati um, and asked if anybody would take him on to learn how do you get this out of your basement um, and, and become a real winemaker right. um, and, and do this as a career. Um, and one gentleman said, I will take you under my wing. I will teach you everything I know. I can't pay you anything, but... Um, I will teach you, you know, it'll be open book, even my books. I want you to see my books. I want you to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of this financially. Um, and he was amazing. Probably um, the best mentor I think you could have ever had. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Joe Hankey at Hankey Winery on the west side. They just celebrated, I think, 26 years. Um, I think I just saw a post. And super zen. Um, right. Kind of, like nothing. I mean, nothing phases that guy. Um, and it was totally different, you know approach to life and work than right. than being a tax attorney but yeah right yeah so, it, it is a totally different lifestyle it's a totally different mentality yeah. 
Yeah, you're it's, going from a career where you're used to micromanaging every step of a process to a career where you have influence but no control over anything. Uh, right. So there is a big mental shift in trying to kind of figure out, you know, how to, you know, just kind of how to kind of get into the rhythm of, you know, what of what the season is like and, and how to produce a product. I mean, obviously, it's always different every year. But you kind of start to learn to trust the process over time. And so Joe was amazing in helping me to be able to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave worked for him um, for four years um, and in 2011 um, entered and won two amateur national winemaking competitions with two vastly different wines, including one Saval Blanc. And so it was kind of a foregone conclusion that we were going to plan it here because it was part of our story. Um, right. And, and we didn't plan a lot. I mean, I think we planted half an acre to start with. Um, we, not even that. Not, yeah, probably not. And then we've slowly expanded a little bit more and more. Um, but, yeah, it was the first one in the Valley and the second in Oregon. Um, they have it down at Girardet in Roseburg, and they've had it since the 80s. Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so it took, what, 40 years for somebody to come along and plant <laughs> Plant some, more. Yeah, some right. more. Save all block. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but they've been great to us, and so yeah, it's right. it's really it's just fun to be different, and you know we kind of we do a lot of things different. So <laughs> well, it, well, you know, you, you got to be different, and you right. got to be bold, and you got to be brave, and uh, you know, I, I if I remember correctly, you were at some sort of um, like market or something. And you heard about this property, or somebody told you oh, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It. Um, we we when we moved here, we rented a condo because it's really hard to find the right thing from twenty five hundred miles away, right? right. Like online, it's even, impossible. It's, yeah. it's not it's easy. Impossible. And then there's um, something about people from California all having much more money yeah. than we do. Oh, right? So discouraging. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we were telling people, and it, and it really is true that if even in you know when we bought the place in twenty twelve, so it's it's was a very different market, but even then. If you saw something and it was on the market and it had a whiff of vineyard potential, you would essentially already lost it. Yeah. Right. Um, you yeah. were going to get outbid. And while we, we had enough money to start this, we we did not have enough money to just kind of start throwing it at it willy-nilly. We yeah. had to find something. And, yeah. and one of the things we figured out was we had to find something before it went on the market, yeah. which means we had to be here and be ready to pounce uh, and through a networking process. Yeah, and, and that's what we did. I yeah. mean, I, I literally networked in like... <laughs> Told everybody that I'm at, you know, the cashier at Fred Meyer, and uh, and ultimately the lady at the Peach Stand in mm -hmm. St. Paul, and right. she said, "Hey, how do you feel about Bell Road?" And I, was, like, I would, yes. I would give my eye teeth to be on Bell Road. How do what what how do what do you got? And so she she um, had worked for somebody who lived here, um, who was a right. vineyard land use attorney, who um, happened to live right across the street. Um, and we had agreed to work together uh, on a Friday, and I brought her a retainer check on a Sunday, and turned around and saw this property, and it was quite the eyesore at the time. It, it was covered in dead Christmas trees. Um, the family that that had it had six kids, and they were a little busy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, even though their last one was just about to go off to college, they were a little busy. And and I said to her, you know, that that place would be perfect. Can you get it for me? And she was like, wow, that's a little, you know, audacious. And I was like, you're a little holding my retainer check. It's a phone call. And so right. she called me two days later and said, this is what they want. And and I said, I'll take it. And meanwhile, Dave was harvest interning at Alexana and had no idea 
um, that I had gone out and just bought a property without <laughs> telling him. Suffice so, to say, that was a bit of a shock yeah, at first. Right. Well, yeah. Did, <laughs> so did, did you present, like, when he walked in the door that night? It's like, hey, no. here's a nice glass of wine. No, no. no, no. Are you kidding? No, I called him at work. He was in the middle of a meeting um, with Brian Weil, their winemaker, and Lynn Penarash was still their consulting winemaker at the time. And right. I interrupted his meeting, and I said, I don't care what you have to do. We're meeting this. Uh, we're, we're going to this property at 730 because I'm buying it. And he was just like, uh, half asleep. Yeah, you know, he was doing like eighteen-hour days, and he was—he just said to me, like, "What? You did what? Do you even? How do you even know it'll grow grapes?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, just it, trust me." It's on Bell Road. It's on Bell Road. Like, can you just trust me with this? And he was like, "Okay." And then we we got here, and we drove up to the top of the driveway, and turned around, and saw that, and right. and for the first time, honestly, and we were just like, "Yeah, oh." Okay. Well, and we sit we sit right next to one of the oldest vineyards in, in the valley. The, yeah, with, absolutely. With the Medici, Medici vineyard. vineyard. So yeah. once you kind of saw it and put it in context, it then made sense. Right. None right. of this, of course, was known on the phone call at the time no. I first heard. No, it. No, <laughs> no, no. But but no. also like some of the journey that you you know you went through. Right. You're making you know your your marriage was on this like kind of rocky path. You're making wine together to be able to like over those. Those years right there speaks huge amounts, right? To be able to call him up and say, hey, we need to talk right now. I'm buying this piece of land. Mm -hmm. And for you not to be like, what in the blah, 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 right? Well, he kind of was. Well, but I mean, it could have been so much worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a certain degree of trust. There was also a certain degree of abject exhaustion on his part so he was kind of like very well, malleable at that point so well, we, he was like okay yeah Sarah and I, Sarah and I, <laughs> one of the things that that we do very well is we communicate very very well with each other and right. that kind of builds the trust that you're talking about over the course of a marriage and you know the 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 rocky place that we were in the marriage was you know trauma based you know that's really what it was was driving it right, and right. you know we're both kind of dealing with our own individual traumas and then you of course have the marriage trauma that derives from that right so so really that was kind of the biggest thing to overcome and you know but that the communications part of it never really stopped you know so from that side we were able to make a recovery i think a lot easier than if it had been caused by a lot of other things yeah yeah no that's that's awesome and yeah, just like was... a big shout out to the both of you i mean oh, thank congratulations you. that's thank just you. thank you yeah, yeah yeah well i would like to say we celebrated um 20 years last october but we didn't have time to celebrate because it was harvest <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got married on october 6 2001 and had we known that this was our future <laughs> it would have been in the spring we trust the spring wedding <laughs> But, yeah. Um, so we didn't really <laughs> celebrate. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think we remembered that day that oh, yeah. I was like, "Happy anniversary!" Yeah, uh-huh. you too. Now, where's the grape? Where's the fruit that's coming today? When are my punch downs? Yep, punch let's, yeah. Down. let's right. yeah, punch get downs to it. Pajamas, get to it. You know, it's, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that. But yeah, we so yeah, we made it through that, and I think if you can get through something like that, really, I mean, we've had stuff happen here that, you know, I think a, a lot of times. Where, 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 where we may even really want to strangle each other, but the reality is we both are, we have each other's backs and right. we know um, that that we've been through the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to somebody. Yeah. You know, the death of a child is the worst thing that can ever happen. Yeah. And and so I think we know um, from that perspective, you know, late frost in April, eh. Ah, we're good. Eh. We'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> we'll be fine. Something will happen. We'll, yeah. Maybe we'll have fruit. Maybe we won't. I mean, you just... You... Heat dome in June? Yeah. 
We'll figure. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it really puts the rest of your life in perspective. And and I will say too, you know, having lost my mentor and then along the way, you know, this process, you know, has been something that has taken us a lot longer than we ever thought it would. You know, to get this up and running. And, right. Um. And and along the way, we have lost several people that were near and dear to us, big supporters, um, or you know, people that have had other traumas in their lives, um, as well. And, um, and and so we. You know, for us, that is just really, it, it's very personal to us. You know, we have people tagged on Vineyard Rows in, in their memory because they can't be here, right. but we want them here. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we even have the ashes of a former club member in our vineyard because she was so passionate about this place, and her husband was too. And when they when she passed away, he, he was like, I'd like to put her ashes in your vineyard. And we were like, okay. And he's like, are you creeped out? And we're like... <laughs> No, we're shocked that anybody that that you think that highly of us right, and that you right, would want right. to do that, and we're we're, I mean, very honored. But wow, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I think we have a we have kind of a different perspective on it than than a lot of people do. Um, right. Well. In, so yeah. Yeah. Well, and and just in your day to day operation, the how you all connect with your guest, it's you know, yeah, your tastings, you know, it's one on one. Yep. Which yeah. is amazing. And that connection just, uh, it thrives, it grows. And then you get tagged in like engagement pictures on Instagram, right? <laughs> it, it's the most, it's the coolest thing <laughs> yeah. about what we do is, is the connections. And then when you see people taking your product and incorporating it into whether it's the everyday moments or the really, really special moments, right? they, they put the trust in your product and in the fruit literally the fruits of your labor to share with friends and family and and all the people close to them that's why we got that's the magic of wine that i just don't think anything else can bring you no. um and so that's it's the heart of what we do is just seeing that and and we encourage that from folks but you know you're right the connections were always so important to us wine is such a personal thing to everybody right and so we just kind of take it to the next step and say you know i want to have when people come in here i want them to be able to connect not just with the wine but with us right and to really kind of take the that to the next level to be able to give people the opportunity to ask the whys of what you do you know what inspired you to kind of do things in the way you've done it um and i tell people you know there are no state secrets here i mean there is literally nothing you can ask me about our process anything that i do that i won't tell you right. you know because that it's open i mean when you get down to you boiled all this down. All we're really talking about is fermented grape juice with wine. And humans have been doing this for 8,000 plus years it's of kind of crazy. Totally. Right. And the science is, you know, obviously the techniques are different, but the science is no different than it was 8,000 years ago. And so, you know, as a winemaker, you know, there's so much, as you know, there's so much ego that gets into this side of the business. Right. And it really humbles you when you sit back and realize that your job is to be a caretaker. You are to be a caretaker, you know, A, once the grapes come in, your job is to make sure that the yeast can do their job properly. So you are uh, essentially a slave to one cell, little one cell organisms. <laughs> and then you get everything in barrel. Your job in the barrel is to keep everything clean and full. 
and it's it's a lot of janitorial stuff, right? It's, right. it's just very humble stuff, but it's so important to just do all the detail things right. And so, you know, I kind of just look at my position as to say, I'm really not a magician with any of this stuff. So I'm no different than anybody sitting over on the other side of the table from me. So, you know, we're going to share it all, you know, whatever people want to know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people when they, you know, visit and they have like a, a one-on-one with the winemaker, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. a winemaker, he's a, he's, he's a super god. Yeah, and gosh, yeah. Not this one. Well, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that's one of the things that I try to like convey there, you know, winemakers are just normal people just like yeah. you and I, yeah. and it's, oh. Uh, and, and we amazing. all have our influences and, and oh, our absolutely. the things we want to accomplish and our, our preferred styles and the things that excite us and the things that drive us crazy. You know, but yeah, you're exactly right. We're we're no different than anybody else. We made a few different life choices, but aside right. from that, that's it. Yeah. No, and you've been very methodical in what you've done out here. Uh so this year, tenth anniversary, mm-hmm. and now you're like a hundred percent estate so we'll, we're going to be as far as pinot noir goes starting in 2022 we right. will be 100 percent estate mm-hmm. um and so going forward really the only fruit we're going to have to buy is we make a syrah we make a cab with fruit coming from northeastern oregon right uh we the we just know that those are grapes that we don't have the climate for we're right. not going to have the climate for it our no. customers love them so we want to provide them but at the same time that's we're always going to have to buy from that particular place other than that the other 90 percent of our our production is going to come from our statement that's that is a huge accomplishment yeah. well it's, thank you we, we yeah. call this the end of the beginning you know right. because this is something that as you said <laughs> right. well methodical right and right. so you know we thought very much about kind of how this was going to play out you know what sarah was saying about the state of the property when we found it being covered in dead christmas trees you know there was no way around we were going to have to plant everything that we were going to do and that was going to take time right. and patience um and in the meantime though we had to have product to pour so what we decided to do was focus on buying fruit from vineyards that were like us. We don't buy from big commercial places. We buy from small acreages, people that live on the properties they farm and are at a minimum driving their own tractors. You know, we wanted people that had a personal stake in care about the quality of fruit coming from their vineyard, just like what we did. So we said, you know, this is going to start out and all the fruit initially was going to come from there. As our vineyard got old enough to start to kind of incorporate it into the wines, we would start doing that and sort of transition. That process began in 2019. And so from 2019 into 20 into 21, you're starting to see our fruit become component parts of the wines right and that process then culminates in 2022 when we start to see all of it coming from the estate right and and to kind of to put a perspective out there for everybody that that's listening so you bought the property in 2012 Mm -hmm. your first estate fruit came Um, came in 2017 but that was solely rosé Um, right. You know, we started. So the first year that we lived on the property in 2013 was spent clearing the dead <laughs> Christmas trees. Of course, trees. right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that was fun because you got to learn how to drive a bulldozer and a backhoe and make a whole lot of burn piles. So right. yeah. you know, you it's it's very productive. You can at least kind of see things gradually getting better. But it also right. meant you couldn't start planting until the spring of 2014. Right. You know, and so that's where it began. And you know, because we're not trust fund kids, you know, we kind of have to do this thing where. 
you know, we plant a little bit and then we sell a few more cases and then we can plant a little more and then right. this, this, and then it kind of builds until yeah. you kind of get to, to, to there. Right. But then right. 2017 was where, you know, we started to say, well, okay, you know, it's mature enough to use, but at the same time, we're not going to ask this to be, to do adult Pinot, right? We're going right. to take this as it is and say delicious, but not complex until we get another couple of years to build the root structure to start seeing more of that complexity. We're just going to use it for rosé. Right. And it was two years later in 19 when we hit that point. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you talked about cab. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I, you know, we, we talked about the Saval. We've talked about I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Schiopatino. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and don't worry, when it goes on, when it goes eventually in a bottle, it's going to have a musical name like yeah, everything it'll, else. It'll We're be... not going to expect our customers oh. to spell or pronounce it. Oh, come on. <laughs> right. Um, but why, why cab? I know that you just started it and like, yeah. it sounds so, like you're going to keep it yeah, going, but yeah. like. So this was a product of, of the 2020 smoke and fire issues. Um, we at our site got incredibly lucky. Um, you know, we, we got very little of the problematic smoke that a lot of people had. Um, right. The air quality obviously wasn't great, but as we taste through our 2020s, especially off of the estate, we're seeing very, very little smoke impact at this point. So we're very lucky. Having said that, one of the vineyards that we had been purchasing Pinot fruit from did get heavily hit. Right. And in fact, um, God bless her, I, was, I would have still bought the fruit, but she called me and said, Dave, I do not feel comfortable selling this fruit to anybody. I'm just not prepared. And I, right. and it broke my heart because this is somebody who I adore, who nobody works harder than she does. And right, right. we've worked with her for a long time. Um, so I respected that. But at the same time, we kind of started looking at each other and said, can, uh -oh. can we replace this? <laughs> I mean, in, this is well, right after Labor Day. You're right. maybe yeah. three weeks from harvest. And, and the, other, the other thing is we had, we had just lost our other grower that we had been purchasing from for all these years um, because they had been a um, somebody that we had worked with from the beginning and they decided to retire mm -hmm. and they they sold their vineyard and so 19 Ugh. wound up being the last year we had their fruit too yeah. um so so yeah because that contract just poof went away um right. so suddenly we didn't have <laughs> quite yeah. the uh the, the the inventory that we had planned to make was no right. it just sort of went poof um yeah. so yeah so so we hit a point where we kind of had to make a decision and we'd been buying syrah from uh the summit view vineyard in in the milton freewater area since we started production in 2013 and so we kind of thought well if it's just a question of filling a gap for one particular year let's give tom the grower a call and just see if there's anything that's hanging that he hasn't sold yet right and so he said well we've got syrah excuse me we got cab and we have merlot still yeah. and we thought about it and said well we just generally we're going to have an easier time probably marketing and selling the cab than we will the Merlot. Not that the Merlot I'm sure isn't amazing, but just we thought this was a one-time thing. Yep. Right. So we bring it in, we make it, um, we get it in the barrel, come back to it about three months later and start tasting it. <laughs> and I'm floored because, you know, one of the things that I love about a mountaintop vineyard out there is it's going to give you a much smoother, more elegant big red. And that's exactly stylistically what we want to do to supplement what we do on Pinot. Right. But this cab was ridiculous. It was already showing these soft, supple, elegant notes that I would expect in a 10-year-old California cab. And we're seeing this after three months. Dang. And I yeah. kind of started looking, and I even kind of 
brought a shocked face home to Sarah he one did. day and just said, um, this is really good. You might want to try I didn't this. Believe him. I, um, I thought he was totally BSing me. I was, there's just no way it can't, it can't be good. It's only been in the barrel three months. There's no way, no mm-hmm. way. Uh-huh. Right. No, no. And he wouldn't shut up. So finally, <laughs> after like 48 hours, I said, fine, I will come and taste the cab. And, and we came up and he pulled me a sample and I tasted it. And I was like, oh, oh. Oh, we could bottle this right now. This is—it was that yeah. good. It was shocking, yeah. and I—and wow. then I said, and I'm going to go call Tom and put in for another ton for this fall. And he said, No, 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 no. I'm not making it again. This was a one-time thing. I'm never going to make it again. You can't tell me I will. I'm not going to do it. I'm the winemaker. You don't make these decisions. And I said, All right, whatever. And so then he, because we all know that's not true, actually. But um, but then the then he started letting wine club members taste it out of the barrel, and you know they yeah. kept saying, right. Please make this again. You will make this again. Yeah. You're going to make this again, right? Of and course. So, yeah. so we're, after we're the moving. shocked looks kind of evaporated, yeah. oh, they, yeah. they kind of, yeah. So she doesn't make the decisions, but the customers do, yeah. and they're paying. <laughs> so I was like, you know, uh, so for that reason, we started to have to make a cap. Right. And it's a good, it's one of those good problems to have, right, that it you've is. got a wine that people won't let you stop making. We ultimately decided that the best way to position it would be as a club member-only option um, to kind of tease people with. Well, just yeah. to be able to say, yeah, you know, this is something that's pretty darn special, and if you want to get it, here's what you got to do. You know, got to have a little skin in the game to, right. to get it. I mean, so. again, we don't make a lot of it. We no. don't make a lot of anything. Um, you know, right now we're at 600 cases. So, uh, you know, it's not like we have, you know, 600 cases of cab to sell. We have, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't even remember what it was. Oh, we started with about 60. And 60 something. Yeah. Something like right. that. So, so it's a ton of fruit. It's it's about yeah. common, what you'd expect. Yeah. But, so, yeah. but it's, again, just nice to have something that is made in a Pinot style mm-hmm. that has the flavor, the characteristics of cab, but is not going to just be loaded down with tannin structure. Right, and right. So much more approachable and so much more versatile for, for a young wine. And, you know, the reality is, you know, we, we all love, we all love aged wines, but the reality also is that for most of our customers, they're not, for one reason or another, they're right. not going to take the time to age their wines. So what we feel we have to do is to be able to provide people with the versatility to say, you can absolutely consume this when it's very young and it's going to be approachable, but your patience will be rewarded if you put in the time and the patience and you do all those things, you'll have right. that option as well. Right. But you kind of have to think about, well, as with everything in this business, through the eyes of how are your customers going to use your product? Right. You know, I mean, you can't just say, all right, I'm going to make what I want to make, you know, whatever happens. No, it's, you got to think about them and say, all right, you know, how are we going to make it more easier for them to want to go back and buy more later on? Right, exactly. And, you know, you set a, a very good role model of patience and just what you've done here. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe they'll, like, listen a little bit and in, in 20 years to be like, holy cow, yeah, right. this cab. You hope so. You yeah, hope okay. so. But, yeah. but that's what library wines are for, yeah, too. You yeah, know? Right. So we, yeah. we do some of that to be able to give folks the option to say, all right, look, we'll do the aging for you. Cost you a little more, but at least right. we'll yeah. handle the we'll handle the you know the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Is there by chance a Oregon wine community story that like really stands out to you? Oh gosh, you know I don't know. I mean, and Sarah well, may answer this for herself. But, yeah. Okay, go, go ahead. Go. Well, I would say what was really interesting to us was in the beginning when we first started, um, and you know when we first moved here, we we knew. 
literally we knew Kurt and Chris Fintel who owned Shehalem Ridge Bed and Breakfast. That was it. We knew nobody else out here. Right. Um, Dave had met with Myron Redford um, at Amity Vineyards at the time and had spent um, a very lengthy afternoon with him um, and, and really gleaned a lot from that conversation um, and had the, he, you had the, the harvest internship lined up at Alexana. But the reality is we knew nobody. Um, and so um, we started, we were introduced to some other small wineries like us who had been doing this for a while, whose model that we really wanted to emulate. Um, and I remember very quickly sitting, you know, they would agree, okay, yeah, we'll sit down and talk with you. And um, and we would ask them pretty much right off the bat, um, tough questions, like, you know, what's, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made you know what was the worst decision you ever made if you had to do it over again what would you change and and every single person was like wow i've never been asked that before not one person who's ever come in here with the winery stars in their eyes has ever asked me you know what what went wrong right right and so and we were like well we want to know because you know if you've made the mistake we don't want to make a mistake we'll make our own Um, right but we'd like to know what we should be aware of and and so that really i think what was so interesting was um how much credibility that gave us like right off the bat as being you know because yes the community can be very welcoming but there is a certain um type of person that just comes in with with a lot of cash to throw around and and maybe isn't as invested or has taken the time um like we i mean not, not everybody takes four years as an unpaid seller rat but you know to to learn the industry and i think we came in with a very different approach um in that we had really invested a lot of time into learning and and trying to gather as much information um about it and you know because we just you know we we would say to people what don't we know that we need to know right right right. you know because the more you learn the more you learn there's all these things you need to learn so so yeah so i think that you know what was interesting was how much more credibility that gave us right off the bat and how much more willing the first couple wineries were to introduce us to other people um, in the industry. And they were like, you really need to go talk to so-and-so. I will call them for you. And and so that was really, to me, um, that was something I felt like was really gratifying almost yeah. in a way that we had really, you know. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and the other thing I would say is that back when we first visited this area in 2008, there were a lot more smaller places where you could spend a lot more time talking to the owners and, and the winemakers. They spent right. a lot more time front of house. Mm-hmm. And we realized, you know, in just talking to them that a lot of these folks, it was their second lives too. You know, they came from other careers. They tended right. to be more technical in nature. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started to first feel like, okay, we might be able to do this, um, you know, just because a lot of those characteristics were kind of things we already had. It was just a question of learning the other stuff. Right. You know, so you take that, you combine it with what Sarah was talking about, I think about kind of our humility yeah. and the respect yeah. for yeah. what everybody else in the Valley had done. I mean, we know this is hard. And... <laughs> I, you know, I think a lot of folks don't always take that. I, when I say other folks, I mean people that come into the industry don't always kind of have that same appreciation for what it took for folks to build what they have. It's right. funny when you said that. That reminded me. I, there was a winery that, that, you know, we they talked to us, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, great. And, like, I think I called them, like, three months later, and I said, okay, you told us to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and we did it all, so now what do we do? And they were like, you did what? And we were like, we did everything you told us to do. And they were like, nobody does that. And we were like, well, okay. 
Uh-oh. We what do. do we do now? <laughs> Great, lovely. Now what do we do? And they right. were just blown away that like somebody would actually listen, listen. to them <laughs> right. and, and do what they told us to do. And and I was like, well, I, why wouldn't I? I mean, right. you've done this for 15, 20 years. I mean, to me, you are the guru on the mountain. Yeah. Right. And you, I'm, you, yeah. yeah. You know what you're doing. Right. So I want to learn. Why yeah. am I not? Why would I listen to you and then be like, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, yeah. but there are people that come into the valley and and do treat it that way you know and so um so we're not those people you know we're just and and so that's yeah i mean we i I don't think dave and i have ever thought that we (laughs) necessarily knew what we we were doing (laughs) (laughs) if you're not learning something every day doing this i mean you're you're not you know, it's it's just again sort of respect for for this this field and just everything changes and um, you know the right folks I think understand that which is why you know when we have connections and relationships with other wineries in the community right. I mean it, it tends to be like minded folks in that sense yeah. right, right. and we're all kind of trying to figure this whole thing out in a changing world and a changing climate and nobody has all the answers we're all just doing the best we can right and you know and even on my side. Right, I'm learning so much. Oh, yeah. Right, I'm currently reading. Um, I guess you could say a biography. It's called a Champagne Charlie. Okay. So it's kind of the the journey that Charles Heidzik took. Okay. You know, Champagne House. Yeah. 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 And so he, you know, introduced Champagne. You know, not introduced, but like had the major influence of Champagne here in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. And then, like the mid 1850s, he was shipping three hundred thousand cases in the 1850s in the 18 freaking 50s and i'm like how is that even possible (laughs) right i mean just number one producing that much wine and then shipping it now (laughs) i'm like i'm like how in the world is that even possible 1850s Wow. I mean, you got to think about what the ships were like back then. Right. Yeah, half of them sunk. <laughs> well, yeah. Had to get 300,000, only half of them were going to get there, yeah. Right. right. You know, and it, it was just crazy. And, you know, right now in the book, uh, he just got thrown into into jealous during the Civil War. Oh, wow. And, you know, yeah. he was just trying to get his money back from yeah. from the people from the South. And just oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's so fascinating. Yeah. To learn, you know, different struggles and everything that, you know, everybody's gone through. Oh, yeah. 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 That's. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's interesting. You know, talk about when you when you put that into context of of world events, right? Civil War, like what was going on? And that's, you know, you think about like where we're at right now. So much of the industry has changed. Thank you, COVID. Um, But, you know, that's something that that is just the industry itself keeps shifting you know it's, oh, it's yeah. never the same year twice no it's um, not and so yeah. so you know it's, it's the weather's always shifting the market's, always, market's shifting. always shifting the, yeah right the, so. yeah, and this is this is i think where being small might be our greatest advantage you know because we don't we're not trying to be all things to all people you know i mean god three hundred thousand cases <laughs> when you're making 600 it's like oh my god and you think to yourself you wouldn't i would never want to come close to that no. you know i mean we've right. always said that our our theoretical max would be something around 900 cases because you know you want we want to keep the model we have and obviously you know people get into this for a lot of different reasons and they have a lot of different goals and and god bless them but it's you know we're just kind of happy owning our own little corner here and just kind of letting that letting that happen yeah yeah but uh yeah no so you know max number of like 900 cases like um legacy like what 
is there any sort of legacy plans that you're trying to think about or you're just like trying to take one day at a time right now? It's really one day at a time. I yeah. mean, and, and in our case, you know, we have a 13 year old daughter and she's, I have a 13 year old as well. <laughs> and this oh, is why wow. we drink, right? I mean, this is, yeah, this, yeah. And, and you know, she's a great kid and we love her dearly, right, right. but she being 13, it, it, she's all over the place. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. she's got days. And, and of course, all my customers want to know, you know, Oh, when's she going to take it over? Well, right. you know, when you do it, what we do and the way we do it, your right. heart and soul and passion every day has to be in it. You have to be in this for the right reasons. Right. And the last thing that you ever want to do is to pressure, push, to, to, to kind of get her into something that she would not be drawn to herself. Right. And what we've seen just kind of studying the legacy throughout the valley is, you know, you get some kids love it. They want to get into it. They can't wait. Some kids can't run far enough away. Yeah. Right. Some kids go away from it for a little while and kind of get some perspective outside of the valley and then decide they want to come back and do it. So right. any of those things are possible. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. we kind of figure, you know, for us, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to let the legacy continue to build. And as you said, one day at a time. And you know what? At some point, we're, we'll probably in 20 years be looking at a whole different world than we're looking at now. Right. Things are going to happen that we can't possibly anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think too far too far in the future just because I, I just have so much respect for how quickly our world has changed. So in the last you know couple decades. Well, yeah. I mean, 20 years ago, there's no way I would have been out here with multiple cameras and like no. doing this right now. <laughs> On phones, no less. Right? <laughs> On phones. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah, 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 that's yes. crazy. It is Isn't crazy. It? crazy. It is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that. Well, I mean, twenty years ago, we never would have thought that <laughs> we'd be doing this. Yeah. You know, no, but yeah. but that's that's the thing about life. You you just you know you you keep you do what feels right at the time. You make the best decisions you can based on what you know, and right. then you don't beat yourself up about it later on. You know, you you did the best you could and. Uh, you know, if anything, for our daughter, what we're hoping to show her is that if you are willing to put your time in and work your tail off and do things the right way, you can accomplish special things. Yeah. Um, you know, your definition of special will be different than ours probably, but, you know, you, you can do what, what you choose to do, you know, but do it smart. Right. Have a plan execute the plan, you know, spend, do a lot of due diligence. I mean, we, you know, people a lot of times talk about, you know, what we do and say, oh, you know, you took this big risk by jumping from, from law to wine. And, you know, obviously, yes, there was a degree of risk taken, but based, I mean, what Sarah spent a lot of time talking about was kind of all the steps and the planning that went into doing this right. Mm -hmm. And we can't afford to screw it up. So you got to do it right the first time. So we didn't just start throwing money at everything. It was, as you said, methodical, step by step. And always be able to answer the why you're doing any one individual thing. We had an amazing financial planner um, who helped us figure out, you know, that was the first thing we did, I think, was sit down with him and say, how can we afford for Dave? Yeah. To not be a lawyer anymore because, right. you know, he's going to learn how to be a winemaker and he's not going to make any money. I mean, he worked at a retail shop and yeah, but, you know, and, and you know, that's, you know, I, I stepped in as the breadwinner and, and, you know, whereas before it had been very much an equal 
thing. It was suddenly, nope, not anymore. Um, and so, so yeah, so we, I mean, but that was part of it was, okay, we, we really can't afford to screw this up. Um, and he was amazing. And I, you know, I, I honestly think when we, <laughs> when we told everybody in Cincinnati that Dave was not going to be an attorney anymore and he was going to become a winemaker, the reactions were <laughs> varied, varied. <laughs> but almost to every, every single person to their credit, a lot of them, like, managed to hold it together, but there was quite a few, like, doubtful, like, st- of, like what? Of course. Are, what, the, right? what in the what, world are you? Are you crazy? Totally right. You know, and, and, you know, you got to remember, I mean, at that time, you know, the rece- we were in the recession, right? Like, it was, oh, it was oh nine. Right. We yeah. were in the height of the yeah. Great Recession, and, you know, I literally said, you're quitting your job because, or, you know, it's me or the job. Like, we can't right. do this. And, right. and I think, you know, so we had a lot of people who really didn't, I don't think really thought we could pull it off. Like, I really, yeah. and I don't think that they, they thought that we couldn't pull it off because of, of who we were. I think they just thought that's just the craziest thing ever. You know, right. you're Midwesterners. You don't well, do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's, you know, know. There, there's a lot of mentality that yeah. goes along with it. Absolutely. And. You know, what you have done, yeah. uh, again, is absolutely phenomenal yeah. in yeah. what you. you've done. Yeah. But yeah, but our financial planner was the only person that looked at us and, and said, I, okay, here's how we're going to make it happen. Not, never doubted us. Not one, right. not, yeah. From, not, not, yeah. yeah. He was a very special guy. He was an amazing person. Yeah. He, we lost him to cancer a few years ago, but yeah, he, Ouch. he yeah, he was, he's in the vineyard. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he's, he was amazing. And, and yeah, so it was yeah, so we so people who think that we just like Dave said, just oh well, we just chucked it all into this. Well, no, 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 no. no. a lot of no. blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, 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 we can vouch for each one of those things literally. literally. Yes, yes, <laughs> even today. Yeah, yes. So yeah, well, yeah. should we wrap it up with some rapid fire questions and I'll uh, reveal okay. the wine? Let's okay. do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite artist to listen to during harvest? Oh gosh. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I will say, so Dave is a huge Rush fan. Okay. However, not everybody is. So um, so we tend to compromise by listening to a lot of disco. So 70s. We play a lot of 70s. We play Barry White. Energy. A lot. It's, it's <laughs> about energy. Yeah. Right. And, and one of the nice things about being a small is when you're harvesting – you're not harvesting 50 tons in a day or anything like that. So it's right. a few tons. You, It's a day, but it's not a day. Right. But it's going to drain you. And, yeah. and to have yeah. some energy to kind of pick up you, and, and not just us, but of course the people that come and yeah. volunteer to help us at sorting time yeah. when the fruit's right. been harvested and when we sort, kind of bringing that energy yeah. up too. I mean, that's a big time help. But I will say that when it's just me doing things yeah. like punch downs, yeah. I'll, I'll blare Rush a yes. lot. Nice, yeah. nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your favorite indulgent food? Oh goodness! Oh, anything at Rosemarino. Oh. <laughs> Everything at Rosemarino. Yes, oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I I would say you know for us the the other thing that we just absolutely this is this is the one thing that we miss about Cincinnati cuisine is skyline mm. chili. Uh-huh. Now it's not an indulgence I would say for people if you live in Cincinnati, but when you're out here, the only way you can really get it is by getting the cans yeah. through Amazon, which mm. are not cheap. So. I would then call it for us an indulgence. Um, But when we need just that comfort every once in a while to take back, we'll pop a few cans. And this is something, fortunately, our daughter 
one of the rare things that our daughter won't complain about right. when you make it for yeah. her. Um, nice. And so it's just kind of something that the entire family loves and um, just kind of can take us back. Works at any time of year, yep. um, right. yep. summer, winter, spring, it doesn't yep. matter. It tastes great any time. Right. Yep. No, that's awesome. Yeah. That is yeah. awesome. Uh, if you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Mine would definitely be invisibility. Okay. Because <laughs> you know what? There are just some times. There are just some times that I need I to know not exactly be. Exactly why. <laughs> that would be like whenever the honeydew list comes out. It wishes it could be invisible. See ya. Whenever I ask you to do something, that's when you'd like to be. <laughs> suddenly, that makes suddenly it makes perfect sense. You know it. You know I it. I don't. I, I, God. I mean, you are already super, oh, so, you. you know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I would. I don't know. I, I, I'll i tell you what your superpower should be. Okay. Oh, this because, could be bad. Because, no. <laughs> Sarah has, Sarah has an, an immeasurable number of amazing qualities. Oh, right. But she's a horrible time manager. I so the ability to way. stop time yeah, and be, be able to get enough things get done. Get everything done. Yeah. Uh, would be awesome yeah, for you. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot going on. So yeah, that would be. And, and you I, take on way more than you and should. I do. It's true. It really is true. And then I, I, you know, like you talk about the oh, squirrel. Um, yeah, you know, you, I mean, you'll get started down one path, and then you'll be walking by the laundry room, and you're like, oh, forgot to put the wash in the dryer. Oh, forgot to. And then suddenly you're like, 16 where inches. was I doing? Right. Yes. And yes. It's it's the if you give them what is it? If you give a mouse a cookie, it's the if you give a mouse a cookie thing. There was something right. that made this the circuit of social media a few years ago. If you give a mom a muffin, like. You know, and she'll, right. she'll decide she needs a coffee, and then she'll discover there's no coffee, and then blah, blah, blah. and then you got to make coffee. Right. Oh wait, then I don't the have any cream. I got to go to the <laughs> exactly. store, and then I got to make a list. Where's my list? And exactly. like, oh wait, that's yeah. just oh uh, exactly. Yeah, no, I so, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably good. Yeah, that or the ability to sleep. Um, like, you know. The invisibility would help with that, that I would think. Because if nobody can find you, <laughs> I think it covers for a lot of yeah. sins at yeah, that point. That's right. It does, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The last book that you read, you know, or listened to on tape or Audible, or you can say that. Eh, no, oh, I gosh. haven't. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I so I don't have time to read. Um, but our daughter, um, our daughter has dyslexia, so um, so she had to read a book um, this year for um, a literature class. She does online school, right? And um, and there's, as you know, there's these. Plugins where the the computer will read to you, right, in kind of a monotone voice. It's not very exciting. So, um, and we had this glitch; like it would only read chapter one. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like, she kept saying, "Mom, it only reads chapter one." So I wound up reading it to her, um, right. and and it was a really good story. What was it? it was? Uh, I think it was something about the secret life of coyote sunshine or something and it was a really interesting book it was a teen book right, right you know right. but it was really it was really good it was about um a girl who had been through um a horrible tragedy um and she and her dad had kind of run away um right. and created a new life for themselves and and nice. it was really an interesting it was really well written um i really enjoyed it um but for the life of me, I can't remember the title of it, but it's something okay. Of it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah it was, it's fine. It was yeah. good. So yeah, so I've been reading <laughs> tween drama. Um, <laughs> it's my new genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's probably the last book. Book. So yeah. yeah so like for me, I, I would. I'm, I'm kind of in the, the same position about about um, about the books. One thing that I have started to be able to that I've started to do is to start consuming podcasts oh, on yeah, yeah. subjects kind of in places of books because depending right. on who's doing the podcasting and what their style is, right. you really are getting book 
content yes. in a in just a different form. I mean, it's yes. storytelling in a very similar way, just in a different form. Right. So I'm kind of a history geek. Okay. So I, especially when I have tractor days and I can listen to, I can either, you know, splurge or just listen to some long podcasts. Um, the Mike Duncan Revolution Series and Dan Carlin's History Podcast and, and Carlin's stuff. He's an amazing storyteller, but these podcasts can be six hours long. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. And so when you're on a tractor for a day, you know, I'm, I'm not touching that podcast until I know I'm going to spend a day on and I can knock that out. And it's right. fantastic. And by the time you're done, you're, I mean, you're done and you've been enthralled and you haven't noticed that you've been sitting on a tractor jostling around for six hours. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I've kind of found that to be a medium that kind of works better. Um, and then just because it's kind of coming in segments, you know, right, bits at right, a time, right, right, you know, right. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, it's a lot easier to be able to consume over the course of a day than to try to kind of get back into a book and kind of forget where you are. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, harvest notes, are they written or uh, digital? Both. Both. Okay. Both. I think they, they kind of have to be. I mean, for us, it's fortunately a little bit simpler. Right. Um, you know, certainly our... Um, Certainly, our fermentation notes are all written down, um, and then we'll digitize that. Um, you kind of you start with the I start with the paper, and then we digitize it at the end of the at the end of the year. Um, now, I will say that when I in, in, when I interned at Alexana, we were obviously doing a lot more in terms of volume than we're doing here. So right. there, you really even in 2012, they were we were kind of beginning the digitalization of everything that right. they were doing then. Yeah. But fortunately for us, I mean, we can at least be a little. Bit bit more paper based at least until it comes time to like keep the permanent record and then right. in that case we'll transfer it over. All right. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well shall I reveal some more? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> pretty close on the year. Okay. But what's really funny is we both brought a twenty thirteen. Oh, see, 14. I nailed it. I nailed it. There you go. Oh, no, I'm sorry. My bad. I said either 15 or 17. My bad. My bad. I was kind of thinking 14. Yeah, I can see that. That's very pretty. I also don't trust myself. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, and I thought it was, it was appropriate, right? Since, since that's how you, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's so funny. So you should probably explain why you brought the Potter's Vineyard Vina Vasai 2014. So the when, uh, a couple months ago, you know, going to I, I got invited to you know going to to Potters to celebrate their their tenth mm-hmm. anniversary, mm-hmm. and so they had a, just a bunch of random um, 2014 Pinots throughout mm-hmm. the valley, uh-huh. uh, blind tasting, and what was really fun was like one of the top rated 2014 Pinots in that lineup was your 2014. I don't remember which mm-hmm. label. Villain, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun wine that we did. Yeah. It's that particular wine, Villanelle, was a hundred percent made from free run juice. So nothing that came out of the press went into that particular wine. And the right. whole goal with that was to create as soft and supple a wine, I think, as as you could do, because you weren't bringing in, uh, you weren't bringing in the press tannins into it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was one that we we all because it was so special, we only ever sold it to club members. Um, so somehow we we must have <laughs> somehow I don't know somehow <laughs> I got out. But, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was really funny because yeah, because I remember I saw the email and I was like, uh oh, uh oh, and then you had posted about it and I was like. 
oh, it's 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 okay. It scored okay. Thank God. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it did great. But yeah, yeah. it did oh, really good. I immediately emailed him like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so relieved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's, it's yeah. So it was one we were obviously very very proud of and and happy that it got presented in that way yeah. because otherwise I don't know how it would have. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. you know, thank you for your time. This oh was a pleasure to, oh, to sit oh, down with you and like, again, the weather, right. it's gorgeous. It's, yeah. So you're, you're staying right? <laughs> for the rest of the summer. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again yeah. so much. Thank you yeah. for having us. Thanks, yes. Okay. All right.